0: You're listening to the Tag Team Podcast, the podcast that is a WWE Network companion, currently covering 1984 WWF Tuesday Night Titans. And now here are your Tag Team Podcast hosts, Jeff Jones and John Burke
1: welcome to the pandemonium that is the tag team podcast
2: welcome back what is up on your side of the world
1: not too much watched little reruns apparently who knew that we weren't meant to watch brawl to end it all without getting into reruns but oh well it happens well they can't
2: get it right all the time i don't guess
1: no and this episode's not on youtube so if people can't find it then just watch brawl to end it all and you'll at least have covered two matches already with ever watching episode seven yeah
2: it was good stuff man still good stuff I thoroughly take that back partially enjoyed it there were some shenanigans in this episode
1: yeah they had good good filler and some classic old that we'll get into a little bit later what's up with you man
2: oh just sos got my mom out of the hospital finally She's backing, backing in business. But other than that, oh, I got a new server for the house.
1: What's his name or her name? Don't want to be sexist. Serve me. Serve me? Is that a Czechoslovakian name or is she Russian?
2: I have to get back to you on that. I haven't turned her
1: on. Oh. Kayfabe, man. Kayfabe. She's still in the box. Uh, <laughs> 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 Dang. Let's mail order brides. <laughs> hope they at least gave her air holes or something. Yeah,
2: they, there is holes in the box. And uh, they didn't use the regular packing tape, so I think she can break free at any time.
1: That's good. Hopefully you got it in her well-secured room and no one will hear the screams.
2: Oh, you mean the basement? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Doors locked from the outside, but we're good.
1: Excellent. Yep. Yeah, so hopefully... secret safe with me.
2: After we get done with the podcast, I plan on taking her out of the box and setting her up. Yep, yeah, so I'll be a server... Awesome. ...administrating my house. Shall we play? That's the plan anyway. Cool,
1: cool. Watch out for viruses. Those things are going around from what I've heard. Viruses. You mean the ransomware that's taken over that hospital? Yeah, ransomware. Yeah, hospital, FedEx, a few other places. Maybe that's why FedEx delivered
2: it on a Saturday.
1: Huh, who knows? Better to get it now than after all this. I'm sure they'll be backlogged for a while.
2: Oh yeah, maybe we can do some negotiating with the ransomware people and get this taken care of. There you go. Speaking of ransomware, I still haven't received a reply back from my TNT postcard.
1: And the search and quest continues
2: you know i really should have put a tracking number on it
1: yeah I've certified it or something
2: I asked me if i needed insurance on it it's like
1: mm, nah, i think i'm good choose one of those fancy dancy postcards that represent or just use some kind of generic one that's comical or i don't know what are postcards looking like nowadays
2: i actually used the get well card and i put it in the ups flat rate packaging with the little bubbles with the little pop bubbles on
1: them ah cool was it for jimmy Snicker? get well on your interviews and learn how to open doors
2: now you know get well vince mcmahon since he's out of the spotlight triple h just taken over hopefully he'll make a recovery and come back in front of the cameras eventually yeah, he
1: didn't look too good last time he was on there announcing the shakeup kind of looked his age so you stopped all the hormones uh-oh yeah no more lifting i ain't no good no nope, what it does to you kids
2: remember keep taking it yes encourage your friends your friends of friends your family share a needle, snort together you know <laughs> biggest gang she can have anyway this is true speaking of bad
0: influences previously on the tag team podcast
2: we get to recap episode 6 for those keeping up. We start off the show as usual with Vince McMahon and Lord Alfred Hayes. And we have Vince McMahon con Lord Alfred Hayes the Pink Panther. And we do have live bands. Also appearing there, we had Tiger chun Lee. Sorry, Capcom, I haven't seen anything, so I guess you're just going to let that go. He speaks about the martial arts, the different types of arts that he studied. And he also decides to break some bricks. Well, one brick and boards. And wrists. Yes, yes. Thank you. He bleeds for what he believes in. <laughs> and then we had the infamous match of the Wild Samoans 1 and 2 versus Mr. Fuji and Tiger chun Lee, And we later find out to see that Tiger Chun-Li and Mr. Fuji become angry. So it'll be a battle of the martial arts. Hopefully we can find and cover that match. We can do a follow-up.
1: I'm still looking for that match with Tiger chun Lee, Mr. Fuji, and Sergeant Slaughter. I have yet to find it.
2: Well, if you found the Paul Arndorf special with Mean Gene, you let me know too.
1: Okay, we will do. Special interview. Still looking. (laughs) Yep, still on the brow.
2: And then we had Paul Orndorff and B. Brian Blair. And we actually called up with the Red Bastion and Monsoon on commentary for that match. I was excited. You and one fan's mom. That's it. Save the and your mom (laughs) joke. Next we had A little different Perspective on wrestling We had referee Dick Rahorley Sure Take it He kind of gives His opinions and views On not seeing The best angle And how The heel Wrestlers Can be intimidating And kind of Giving leadway Every now and then Just because they are So intimidating And also parking Two blocks away Due to him not calling The match to the fans Like him. and also We had your favorite In mind SD Jones He joined the TNT set And Vince talks to him About his career Catapulting That he has not been back to his native land in about 15 years with a disgrace. Uh, no, it is because of the traveling and how successful his career was going. It's
1: not what his island said.
2: Well, I can't speak to the island. <laughs> so after that, we go to the viewer mail, which I believe Vince McMahon brought out the Hulk finger and started poking our Lord Alfred Hayes. Yeah, quick product placement. Nothing exciting there. We'll move on. (laughs) We had next Tony Atlamore. He joined the TNT set and he claims that Lord Alfred Hayes was his favorite wrestler growing up. Lord Alfred Hayes isn't that old. Next we come back and we have some music with ISD Jones and the Calypso Band. Then we have Lord Alfred Hayes comes on set with a huge jacket belongs to one and the only Andre the Giant. Before we get to see the Giant, we have to suffer through a match of Andre the Giant versus Mr. Smirnoff himself. And then Finally, we get to see the giant as he towers over Alfred Hayes. And then we go to Andre the Giant Fish Song, which I like personally. I thought it was an amazing voice. It's a good show of his personality and how much larger than life everybody says he is. And then he does the fish song, and then you really see. Oh, yeah. He actually was a funny guy versus a towering, you know, towering giant, as other people see. And then we wrap it up with Kamala versus Jose Rivera, which was a very interesting match, to say the least.
1: And that was episode six. Ready for some Territory Talk, Jeff? Ready and willing.
0: Let's talk May 1984 timeline with territories. Territory, Wrestling territories. And for you youngsters out there, <laughs> wrestling territories is something that may be foreign to you, but at one time in the United States alone, there were 25 or 30 wrestling territories that were headquartered around the country
1: Okay, last time on Territory Talk, we went over Detroit and Stampede Wrestling. Detroit was big-time wrestling with promoter Ed Farhat, and Stampede Wrestling was, of course, the one and only Stu Hart. This time, we're going to go and we're going to cover two more territories, and that'll be All-Star Wrestling and Majors in Vancouver and Portland and Pacific Northwest Wrestling. Bosley, if you will.
0: Territory Talk. Vancouver Portland All-Star Wrestling Although other wrestling promotions existed in Vancouver prior to the early 1960s, particularly a predecessor of All-Stars called Big Time Wrestling, All-Star, an affiliate of the National Wrestling Alliance for most of its existence, became the longest-lived and perhaps best-remembered of all promotions operating in the Vancouver area before or since. The promotion began coming into its own around the time Chan TV began broadcasting their TV program, also called All Star Wrestling, in 1962. At the time All Star began, the NWA British Empire heavyweight title was the top singles title in the Vancouver Territory, while the Pacific Coast Tag Team title initially served as the Tag Team Championship. Both titles were carried over from Big Time Wrestling. However, after the British Empire title was abandoned sometime after 1963, All Star had no singles title of its own until 1970, when the Pacific Coast Heavyweight title, which was first introduced in 1948 in big time wrestling, but became inactive around 1958, was reactivated. All-Star started becoming a serious force in the Pacific Northwest wrestling scene during Gene Kineski's reign as NWA World Heavyweight Champion, which he won from Aluthes in 1966, when he and Sander Kovacs, along with Portland promoter Don Owen, joined forces to promote the territory at the start of 1968, forming Northwest Wrestling Promotions as the parent company to run All-Star. During this time, the promotion shared talent, including many of the sports big names of the time, with Owens nearby NWA affiliate Pacific Northwest Wrestling while also developing local talent. At the same time, the All Star Wrestling program began to be seen across Canada via syndication. Kovacs promoted his final All Star show on January 17, 1977, before selling his share in the promotion to Al Tomco a veteran wrestler and former Winnipeg promoter for the A.W.E. While the promotion managed to hold steady through the late 1970s following the sale, All-Star began going into decline by the early 1980s, due partly to the aging Tomko, who was physically past his prime and had poor wrestling skills pushing himself as the company's top star, and partly to the rise of the WWF around the middle of the decade, a situation which actually affected many other North American promotions besides All Star. Late in the promotion's NWA affiliation, during episodes of All Star Wrestling, Tomko and Ed Carl would also present and commentate on highlight clips of matches from fellow NWA affiliates Central States Wrestling and Gim Crockett promotions, as well as matches taped at All-Stars Main House shows in Vancouver and Cloverdale. Noticing the decline of the promotion, Gene Kiniski sold his ownership stake and got out sometime around 1983, after which he began promoting shows in Vancouver in association with Stampede Wrestling and the AWE. in late 1985. Tomko withdrew All-Star from the N.W.A. and created a new sanctioning body for the company called the Universal Wrestling Alliance. Those changes did nothing to reverse All-Star's fortunes. However, And the promotion would eventually cease operations, holding its final event in Elk Grove, British Columbia on July 2, 1989. Mauro Ranallo, who went on to become a radio announcer for Abbotsford station CFVR, now CKQC FM, and the TV play by play announcer for Pride Fighting Championships, Stampede Wrestling, King of the Cage, Kvos TV's NWA Top Ranked Wrestling and most currently WWE SmackDown, got his start as an on-camera personality with All-Star Wrestling while still in his teens. Late in the show's
1: run. All kinds of stuff that intertwines there. We'll break it down slow. Um, basically Central States Wrestling. We cover that in our first episode. That was Bob Geigel's promotion out of St. Louis. And seems like Gene Kanitsky was a very good Adonis He got out in nineteen eighty three, only one year before Vince started buying out everybody, so good for him. And then last we got Marino Ronaldo from SmackDown. Now sitting at home, thanks to JBL, until August when his contract runs out and then who knows where it'll end up. So yeah, good stuff there, Buzzley. So you think JBL pushed him out? Those are the rumors. He has a mental condition. I believe he's bipolar and JBL didn't really help out with that. Kind of hindered him and pushed him over the edge. So JBL has a better history, so he gets to stay and the guy that did nothing has to leave. That's usually how it goes in the WWF when you have that kind and pull.
2: Hmm. i don't know i can't say that i don't buy it but i think him being a color commentator just what he's good at
1: yeah they could have got rid of someone else if they wanted to get rid of someone byron saskin but i think it was definitely something that was done off camera or something that wasn't acknowledged on camera that might have led to unfortunately his departure or future departure
2: you can't get rid of byron saskin that's like selling the dumb dog at the store nobody will come back to see <laughs> Anyways, I digress. The next territory we're going to cover is the Pacific Northwest, which was founded in 1925 by Don Owen Sports, operated under such brand names as Big Time Wrestling and also Portland Wrestling. But is known to many fans around the country, particularly readers of the Western family of magazines, as the Pacific Northwest area, considered a proving ground territory. The Owen family promotion was one of the last survivors of the old territory system. A longtime member of the NWA, Don Owen was regarded as one of the more respected promoters in the business. The promotion held on throughout the 80s, but never sold out or folded into a larger promotion. Don Owen hung on until 1991 when he decided to close the promotion while still the sole owner. Good for him.
1: I mean, 1925 founded, you've got to figure he's probably up in his 70s by then, you'd think. Maybe 80s. So, yeah. good good
2: for him for not selling out.
1: Yeah. The fans would have to chant, you didn't sell out. You didn't Hmm. sell out. It's not as catchy.
2: Too many words. Too many syllables. Way too many. But... We will be good to know that such wrestlers as Roddy Roddy Piper and Rick Martell were battling the Sheep Herders,
1: aka Bushwhackers, for all you WWF fans, and
2: Playboy Buddy Rose. Old Back fan. then there was some no-name talents, if you would, that would move on to be major headliners in the WWF.
1: Let's do a little recap of Episode 7, July 31st, 1984. Vincent Lord Alfred Hayes opened the show and... And you remember what they did for Alfred this time? I believe Vix McMahon
2: claimed that Lord Alfred Hayes was one of the original Knights of the Round Table.
1: I wonder if he knew that 33 years later, Arthur would be dropping pretty soon, and that's why he made that reference coming soon to a theater near you.
2: It wouldn't surprise me. Vince is a genius. That he is. So he probably has a crystal ball or something. Time machine. Or it could be coincidence. Yeah. Fair enough.
1: First guest on the couch is Captain Lou. And as you can imagine,
2: I love Captain
1: Lou. Always the best dressed guest they have, and always super polite and humble. Captain Lou, I know. Very classy. We find out why he doesn't know how many years Mula has held the title because he's not a manager, he's a technical advisor. So it's not his job to know that kind of stuff. He wanted to go on record to pretty much say that
0: Well, first of all, anytime you're involved with a woman, you've got to end up a loser. I mean, as I said before, women belong in a kitchen or raising kids.
1: I wanted to still drive home that point. Women are losers and they belong in a kitchen raising kids because that's where you raise kids. Kitchens.
2: always love the fact that Lou makes this... presence known by the repeated woman bashing
1: yeah, at least so far, since he's been on TNT, that seems to be a common theme, minus the first episode bashing on the Samoans for not being tough enough and powering through a chair shot.
2: It was a pretty flimsy chair in all reality. <laughs> I know some people say, well, a chair shots a chair shot."
1: Sometimes. We are then treated. For us, it's a rerun. It's Moolah versus Richter from Brawl to End It All. And if you watched on MTV, this was the only part you saw. You see a little bit more watching it off YouTube in the original and Square Garden Network coverage. So this in all reality was a little bit of a jip joined in progress, which was good because I think it was about originally a 24-minute match. So they joined it in about halfway or so. Some things that I noticed. One, there was a weird noise. And I don't know. To me, it sounded like a Gordon Fisherman commercial. It's obviously the footage because it wasn't on the MSG network that we saw, but it was indeed on the WWE network works so we have
2: got
1: maybe tugboat was coming in I, I don't know is that another one of your premonitions that's had? i don't know it was just mid-match He goes to throw her in i think it's towards the end when they're about to take it home just throws her into the turnbuckle and
2: the,
0: the big tugboat laid out the battle plan <laughs>
1: i think old mean Jean heard it too <laughs> <laughs> It happened at the 1806, and it only lasts a second to 1807. So if anyone wants to go back and see the footage that I'm talking about, that strange noise, there it is. Also, the best part of the whole match, you get to see Mula dropkick the ref, and to me that was the highlight. So then they go back to Mr. Liu, he demands a rematch. They ask him about the spot where he looks like he was going to hit Wendy Richter. He said it wasn't going to hit her. He lost his balance, grabbed the ropes to keep at a Solid 97 degree angle A guy is a math genius We all know Lou's not great at math Captain Lou also took a jab At Lord Alfred Hayes And I thought this was kind of funny Does his own little impression of Mr. Lord Alfred Hayes Because it's very <coughs> seldom do you see Lord Albano Doing
2: this.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes, go Lou go <laughs> Go Lou Fashioned women and Englishmen
1: <laughs> Dip, dip, dip. <laughs> and then we go to the gold part of the segment. The Wendy Richter victory kiss post-match party. A whole lot of kissing going on. Yes, yeah, that was monomania going wild. I don't
2: know. i telling you. I think that was the same time that the Family Feud guy was locking lips as well.
1: Possibility. I could be wrong. It was a very funny segment just to see wrestlers semi-out of character. They first showed uh, Mean Gene trying to get an interview with Hulk Hogan. And that was fun to watch him try to track him down eventually they did actually find him and while he's giving the interview he's talking about moolah and you can hear a guy in the background shout moolah went down and i got a little clip of that
0: the girl was in shape brother she outsmarted the old hag and that's Mula the way it's down. gonna stay Wait. she
2: went down that's right brother
1: and the guy's like yeah Hulk hogan commented on what i said and i got to be on tv and then he takes a turn for the worst from there <laughs>
0: Here, whoa, wait a minute. Can we get a shot of this? Even though there's a... The brother, going. The brother, know, the brother knows what's going on. The only problem with get the, the dude, the only problem are these little skinny arms, man. You better get in the gym and start training, man. Hold on, start wait, hold, hold on, bit. wait a second here, guys. A little uh, misspelling there on the name.
1: So Hulk Hogan takes a shot at him. They bring him on because it's got a homemade 80s t-shirt that says Moolah went down, but he spelled Moolah, M-O-U-L-A, apostrophe S, and Gene takes a shot on him for the spelling. Guy probably didn't walk away feeling great, and he looked like he wanted to go off on Hogan when he, oh, he said I had small arms, haha, and then said get in the gym and train and poked his chest. It looked like he was ready to fight him. Of course, he would have lost, but it was funny to watch his facial expression just change in that moment. You know what? That's what you get. <laughs> when
2: you're asked to be in front of the camera, then you get up in front of the camera. You don't just wibbly, willy, nilly in front of the camera.
1: You're going to get owned. <laughs> That's what happened. He tried to get his 15 minutes of fame instead. So he got 15 seconds of embarrassment. Hilarious. It was definitely the highlight of the first part of the show, for sure. Then they bring in the Samoans. They speak broken English. Say, Wendy Richter winning is good. And Mean Jeans quick to point out that they have a little lipstick on their face. And Cindy Lauper and Wendy Richter there also and they say it's victory kisses and this leads to monomania
2: whenever Vince McMahon said alright let's go to the victory party with Wendy Richter I was really looking for Wendy Richter. But no. Guess whose big
1: nine-foot head is there? Hulk Hogan. Of course he's there. Of course he's the first one in the interview. Gotta go with the champ. The real champ. Not that woman's champion in our society fraternity champ.
2: Horrible. I was like, oh, of course. Look who's here. That was
1: my thoughts on it.
2: I was like, oh, look who's here. Mr. Hulk Hogan himself. Fantastic. What are we going to destroy this time? <laughs> and better yet, Mr. Sergeant Slaughter, after Hulk Hogan steals a kiss, mind you. Sergeant Slaughter decides to stick
1: his big chin. Man. Yeah, yellow suit wearing out of uniform, I believe, is what they were talking about. Yep, Jean said he's gonna reprimand him just for celebrating. Yep, Jean's a hard ass. She's telling. You, terrible. He one ups the small ones. He doesn't get a kiss on the cheek. He goes straight for the lips. <laughs> That's right. He didn't give her an option. Wendy didn't seem to object, or at least not on camera. Who knows what happened when the camera has stopped? Him.
2: I bet she tried to get out of there as quick as she could. <laughs>
1: Probably so. I'm sure Jean got jealous. Turned
2: into the wrong kind of party. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure.
1: Gene was the only one that didn't get any victory kisses, so I'm sure he was majorly jealous, even though he did help her back into the ring after volunteering himself.
2: I guess he got his feel, no pun intended. (laughs) Yeah. So we notice Wendy Richter is actually shows up for the interview. The cameraman zooms right in on her face where the only thing you can see is just her face being zoomed in. That was very interesting. All you saw was face and teeth. That was it. Yep. I don't know what the hell was going on
1: there. Yeah, that's weird camera angles for a lot of facial interview type things. And Lopper was kind of hiding. Her manager had to get her to stand up and get closer to the camera. She makes a joke after Cindy corrects Gene and says, I didn't make history, they make her story for women's movement and Slaughter says that's not necessarily like celery uh why that was supposed to be funny I don't know
2: yeah i'm not really sure either but i did notice in the ballroom that they were in there was no air conditioner
1: doesn't surprise me i never saw the champagne get poured on mean gene either it was probably just sweat he just wanted to cover it up i
2: really think it was before the
1: interview started surprised they didn't show it they showed a lot of other footage they could have edited it out yeah hulk hogan being a douche that'd been good yeah i'm sure that guy wishes that would have got edited out really wish i would have just stayed in the
2: background and shut up (laughs) 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 Oh, got to be a bad a-
1: <laughs> then they go back to Captain Lou, and he gets all mad that he wasn't invited to the party. He goes off about how he's multiple tag team champion manager, and he should have got invited, and does the classic uh, Captain Lou storm-off that we're getting used to seeing on TNT sets.
2: And he did claim that he wrote time after time.
1: Oh yeah, of course. Everyone knows that. Goes without saying.
2: And he agreed with me. He agreed that Hulk Hogan should not be a part of that interview, I completely
1: agree. I concur. I second that notion. But the only thing I'll
2: agree with Mr. Lou
1: about. Next match we have is another rerun. It's Adrian Adonis and Dick Murdoch versus Terry Daniels and Sergeant Slaughter. More Brawl to end it all footage. Don't really have anything else on this one because it was the exact same thing, except it was another jib. that didn't start it from the beginning. They started it from in progress. So we get to watch them miss the call again on the tag that they missed on Brawl to end it all as well.
2: The only thing I've seen was, once again, Sergeant Slaughter could have took them two-on-one. No problem, it appeared. But I think that's the major takeaway from that.
1: I had to get Terry some quality training time. And after that match, they go to the mailbag. And how was this delivered this time? Natively. Definitely. Scared the crap out of Alfred. He, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I think he kind of knew it was there, but had his arm on him and he was okay with that. Then he actually turned to see who had his arm on him and yeah, he kind of got freaked out. And then Vince Vince also cracks on Alfred and says he needs to do his job right. Kind of hints that what we covered in episode six, that when Lord Alfred Hayes said Wyoming for the state, for the city that was read off, it was really West Virginia. And Vince even said West Virginia. But Alfred insisted it was Wyoming. So he says he's not doing his job great and he needs to get a little bit better at it, be more consistent. So now Vince clearly says,
2: Where did they write in from? <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. Didn't help. Seemed like Alfred Hayes was nervous for this segment, so he still messes up at least twice.
2: Questions we had was, we had one writer write in saying they were on vacation in Hawaii and could have swore that they seen Don Morocco surfing. and want to know if that was him. Vince says, yes, it was him. More than likely, it was him surfing, as that is one of his favorite things to do
1: when he is not wrestling. Out of doubts. Apparently, Vince was also on vacation with this person and knew for 100% certain. And see that that had to be Don Morocco and not some other person that might go to Hawaii, to sir. I like that answer. Oh,
2: oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, next question we have is when are you going to have Tito Santana back on Tuesday Night
1: Titans? And this is the one Lord Alfred Hayes forgets to mention the location, and Vince is quick to reprimand him.
2: And Vince says Tito is very busy, but he is sure that we will be able to get him back soon due to his intercontinental championship run. <laughs>
1: he'll be on next week's show
2: no no spoilers and then our final mail question we have is that their parents come from Spain and they're looking for wrestling movies from Crusher Verdue I want to know if they have any videos of the Crusher that their parents can view oddly enough
1: and Vince says Vince
2: does have a video of Crusher Verdue versus Mario
1: Milano and then they go to the clip and it has no commentary as we're used to seeing on most of these and into grainy footage Um I guess 35 millimeter or some type of film there was obviously something on the film itself because no matter how the camera moves the scratch marks were still showing so I don't know maybe it was on the lens of the camera thought that was distracting
2: yeah not too much on that one myself very dark but I guess that's
1: how it was back then they didn't have a lot of lights or stuff like that kind of gave a new meaning to dark match yep and it ends with a DQ from what I gather you don't really get to hear any any type of commentating, even from Vince or Lord Alfred, they don't say anything about how it ends. But it looked like that uh, Crusher was mad, and that Mario Milano actually doesn't break a hole, so Mario Milano gets disqualified, and that's the end of the match. I think they were about out of time anyway. So it was probably a good time to break the match. Yeah, I might have heard Tony Schiavone say, We're all out of time, we gotta go! And they just stick real quick.
2: It was a decent match for the age it was. They didn't have too many negatives other than...
1: The quality. Mario Milano reminded me of Playboy Buddy Rose. A little bit shorter, but it's about the same size Buddy Rose was that I've ever seen. He might have been skinnier at one point, but every time I've seen him, he's been Mario's size.
2: little fun fact for everybody there.
1: Vince recaps episode three for us. We should have just watched this episode and put in his clip for episode three. He goes over Putsky's Puduski, Polka Party, and Ventura. A little confrontation there about the music choice. So if we just would have put that in, we could save some time on that one.
2: And that does lead up to the next event, ironically, an arm wrestling match.
1: It's about time.
2: You know, seeing this first, seeing the entrances, I knew that Jesse, the body, I knew he had it.
1: He was the bodyguard for the Rolling Stones. So I'm sure he did a lot of arm wrestling. Oh, for sure. Get that girl. Get that girl. Yeah.
2: Pulling him over. It's all
1: right. You're coming anyway,
2: you're gonna know him. It's fine. Come
1: on, Nick needs a woman.
2: We noticed when the match starts that Jesse enters the ring, starts inspecting the tables and the chairs to make sure there's no funny business going on.
1: Yeah, regular type stuff they do for arm wrestling matches. Yep,
2: definitely. And then they do a pose off for the ladies, which to me, I think it was intimidating each other really more. But to me, it looked like Ivan was really holding a fart. I <laughs> need to go back and check that out. mean, it looked like he was, I mean, he was holding on for dear life. Can't lie. Oh,
1: well, we know he does like that Polish. Food, so he might have been. It may have been holding him more. <laughs> We did get to find out from Jesse screaming, though, that not only was Vince on commentary, but also Tony Gurria. So that was good of Jesse to help me out with that. Oh,
2: yeah. Most definitely. I'm glad he's there to help us
1: out. Yeah. No, Scott Studwell, though. i huh? Guess he could make it to that show. Well, maybe he was off doing a children's meet and greet. Possibility. Might have been on Sunday. Might have had his day job
2: to attend to. Somebody's got to deliver those freights somehow. <laughs> uh, so we start and we see Jesse attempts to lock up and then pulls away immediately stating that he wasn't ready. And he starts using the ropes to loosen up. Clearly mind games.
1: Or maybe you forgot to stretch. It's okay. happens. Okay. Better to do it before you get in there and realize, oh crap, I'm about to lose because I didn't stretch.
2: Or you might pull something. Exactly. So we notice he gets back down for the second lockup. They lock arms. And then Jesse pulls away again. Starts bannering the crowd. So the third time, Jesse's loose. He's ready to do this. But Ivan pulls away. Just as Jesse did the first two times. And
1: Probably because of that fart. He could have,
2: yeah. He could have needed to loosen the chamber, definitely. Yep. And Jesse the Body of Ventura decides to throw a tantrum along with his chair. So, on the final lockup, Jesse appears to have the advantage right out of the gate. And then you see Ivan straining, pulling back for the win. But as the referee goes to the other side to check Ivan's grip and also to see when Jesse the Body of Ventura's wrist hits the ground, we see Jesse the Body of Ventura grab the table and use the momentum to actually force his arm back the other way. So, it appears that Jesse is going to win this. This goes back and forth about two times and then ivan finally gets the advantage he gets him about three inches from the table then jesse pulls ivan over the table drops an elbow across the neck knocking ivan unconscious and then proceeds to slam him four
1: times with chair shots. which is all part of the traditional arm wrestling matches that i've been to and that i've seen in the wwe almost definitely i don't know why they stopped it
2: i don't know i think they were starting to run out of people running out of competitors probably and then to seal the deal, Jesse poses over Avon
1: as he lays unconscious. Did you see who was in the background calling for assistance? I did not. Mr. Pat Patterson. Oh, at ringside. I missed him. I'll have to go back and check that out. It's wearing his pink sports jacket, or at least peach color sports jacket. Oh, good for him. Yeah, couldn't tell anything back then on him at all
2: no 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 definitely not and next we have our reigning tag team champions adrian adonis and dick murdoch joins the tnt set and here we see the tag team champions state that wrestling is an art that has went down the drain and luckily they have the tag team champions to revive it
1: yeah they show why champions are so busy and basically can't make it to tnt here's the list of their weekly routines
0: now they say how do you get to be a world champion well i'll tell you how to get to be a world champion vince mcmahon First of all, you gotta get plenty of r and R. I'm talking about we visit Attica, we teach the men how to dig ditches. We swim the English Channel twice a month. We stroll through Central Park with thousand dollar bills hanging out of our back pockets, taking out all comers. There are no comers there'd be no men left. I don't
1: think it has meaning of r and I don't think so. None of that sounded relaxing or resting.
2: I think it depends on what their training regimen is.
1: I'd like to see Dick Murdoch swim the English Channel. It'd be fun to watch.
2: You can tell that the tag team is very you got a southerner then you got a Yankee. You got a guy from New York. You got a guy from Texas. Corpus Christi.
1: It kind of contradicts Vince's reasoning why champions can't come on TNT because they're busy. I don't think they're really busy. They're doing a R, but that's what he wants to call RR. They're not busy. Don't get paid for RR.
2: Yeah, that's right. They couldn't do that lazy stuff back then like they could do now. Sick time and leave and all that.
1: Twitter time. Yeah, Yeah,
2: that's right. Go promote yourself. Don't get me on Twitter. <laughs> what a mess.
1: After that, they go to want to show where Adrian's grew up at, and they go to a segment of Adrian's hometown with Mean Gene trying to find him because apparently he was given the wrong address. So it's more like... Where in the world's Carmen San Diego, Exactly. With where's Adrian.
2: Except Mean Gene sort of looked like a blind man with them dark glasses on
1: when they first cut to him. <laughs> It was looking cool, man. It's cool, Gene. I don't know how he didn't get mugged hanging out in that alley. Yeah, he's and then alley thinks that this is the right address, or the cameraman says it's the right address, picks up a bottle, throws it back down, and that's when I could have swore I heard Salvatore Blumbo cry, because he was not recycling. Mm.
2: And we all know that that's Mean Jean's bottle the night before. Total junk. Oh, yeah. And I love how they moved to the next location, and they happened to stop one of the people walking down. Down the sidewalk and happens to be a british guy
1: it's lord offered to Hayes nephew and
2: he asked the british guy probably a visitor
1: said he was a tourist you can barely hear him
2: wants to know if he knows adrian adonis or where he could find him and he gives the description of godzilla referencing that the building shakes <laughs> when he walks Run!
0: it's godzilla
1: even though Mean Gene was drunk, he still knew better and he did not go the direction that the tourist told him Adrian Adonis was at. He goes the opposite way.
2: Yes, very wise. So next location we have, Mean Gene finds another similar location to the first, except there is a lady that answers the door when he knocks.
1: Tito Santana's mom.
2: Yes, it's Hispanic. And Mean Gene asks if Adonis lives there and she replies, I'm not sure. And Mean Gene starts getting curious about why she's not sure. And it turns out she does not speak English. Next. <laughs> Finally, we see Mean Gene talking. And oh, who is standing there in the doorway? Mr. Adonis himself. And we find out that the address is 266, not 269. And we go out to the interview and we see that Adrian Adonis, for exercise, touches sewer caps.
1: Everybody does. I do it in my spare time as well.
2: But I bet you don't hold the Guinness Book of World Records for touching sewer
1: caps no the closest i've ever came was 35 and 58 minutes oh. i can't seem to get to that 62 mark keep practicing believe to achieve can't do the good cartwheels that he can do and i think that hinders my performance
2: as we see his astounding force gump speed with the sewer caps <laughs> we see him moving through the streets, saying oh yeah i know this person oh i know that person and obviously
1: no way knows who this dude is oh but it's so funny to listen <laughs> to i wanted to pull like an 11 minute clip, but I just thought we'd better just let people watch it for themselves.
2: Please do yourselves a favor watch this episode. (laughs) It's worth it. Just this
1: segment. Get to meet Aunt Sophie, Uncle Joe. It's just totally worth it. Oh yeah. See where he takes his showers at. Meet Old Red.
2: Finally we come across the hot dog vendor.
1: Oh, I love the hot dog
2: vendor. And we see that Mr. Murdoch orders a hot dog with mustard and he gets relish. And
1: it's good. Also ordered Texas style with some greasy chili on it. gets no greasy chili.
2: I don't think there was any chili in that cart. I
1: don't know
2: what kind of New York cart didn't have chili. That
1: one. (laughs) did have sauerkraut though, but he didn't want that. That seemed like he was from Germany. The only hot dog vendor that doesn't have chili. is the only one they can find to do that segment. Mm -hmm. And also speaks broken English.
2: Horrible. So at the end of the tour, we see Mr. Adonis and Murdoch on a motorcycle. Very scary. So Dick Murdoch asks Adonis, how do we get to the garden? Adonis says, through the wall. And then you see him take off. Happily ever after together.
1: Best tag team ever. BFFs. Yep. That's how you got to be. Be champs.
2: And then we come back into the studio and we have our next guest as Chief J. Strongbow. But there is a problem. The tag champions are still there.
1: They do not want to give up their reserve seating either.
2: No, they're the champions. They should be in the front. He should sit in the back. It makes sense.
1: Happy Martin Luther King Day, everybody.
2: Bashing the natives again.
1: Yep. Here's your reservations. Mm, terrible. terrible. Murdoch does greet him with a native duck call, though, when he comes comes out to the set. Leading him
2: to the back. After Jay finally accepts that he's going to sit in the back (laughs) with Mr. Hayes' second-rate seating, they eventually cut to a clip of Chief Jay Strombo wrestling Tony Russo. Oh. Oh. I've been
1: waiting for this all segment.
2: And we have Pat Patterson and Vince McMahon on the mic. So, Mr. John, I will let you have it.
1: Thank you, sir. Okay. First up, people. We have our episode moment of silence. Let's go to it. hear the audience one of the kids wanted chief j strongbone to rip his arm off that was about the only person that was actually watching this match and since vince mcmahon and pat patterson decide to step out on this match let me go ahead and do some commentary for you
0: closed captioning sponsored in part by with rustling superstars it's like having a real match right in your own home yes there's are jimmy superfly took <laughs> The Iron Sheep, Hulk Hogan, and Big John Studs. And now you can fly them and flip them in the swing oh, yeah. em fling rustling ring wrestling superstars and new
1: wrestling ring each sold separately from ljn first we see chief j strongbone and tony russo lock up and chief j strongbone has him in a headlock he bounces against the ropes still having the headlock tony russo is able to free himself and push chief j strongbone off from the headlock chief j strongbone goes into the ropes chief j strongbone then tries to dive under tony russo's legs but doesn't do it too great and ends up only landing about halfway in between his legs and doesn't go all the way through. So Tony Russo then has to kind of step over Chief J Strongbow and then they lock up again and Chief J Strongbow does an arm drag takeover and that sings Russo to the mat and Chief J starts working the arm and he puts it in that arm bar and he's just turning it and turning it and he gets back out on his feet still holding the arm, still turning it and in order to get him off, Tony Russo then throws Chief J Strongbow Strongbone back into the ropes. Chief Chase Strongbone doesn't go directly in his path. He crisscrosses the ropes and Tony Russo looks surprised. And then Tony Russo tries to get ready to do another arm drag. And at that moment, Chief Chase Strongbone goes to the other side of the ropes and crisscrosses again. And then he does the spot that he missed earlier and that will slide through Tony Russo's legs. This time he still misses a little bit, but it looks better than the last try. So they just go with that. And then Chief Chase Strongbone does another arm drag takeover and sends russo down to the mat and works that same left arm that he was working earlier first words were said after vince calls one wrestling hole was that he had him in arm drag Then pat patterson decides to get on the mic and let's go to pat
0: you know vince uh, jay strombo is a fantastic golfer a lot of people may not know that but uh he is uh, plays as good as a pro if he had more time he would be uh he would be traveling with the pros on the golf course, but he prefers wrestling. That's his whole life. Well, like the vast majority of pro wrestlers, they are multi-talented. Pat, you uh, also play some golf from time to time, do you not? Well, I try at it. I like to the exercise on a golf course, chasing the ball, looking for it. <laughs> now, whether do you it's to pack in the... your lunch, do you have a picnic uh, when you? Well, sometime I should. <laughs> Looking for the ball either in the rough or in the sand trap. I assume you give up on the water hazard. I just let it go.
1: (laughs) Just like on this match commentary, we just let it go. Like two minutes, 30 seconds into the match, and they're just like this crap we're just going to talk about this golf game i counted vince only calls one other wrestling hole this whole match and that's when the finish comes and that's it two holes called for this whole match
0: and the show has reached a new low
1: good job vince good job.
0: In all reality,
2: when they first started the match, it was very sloppy. I don't know if they knew what was going on. I don't know if they knew they were supposed to wrestle.
1: I think when they're in the turnbuckle, I believe, like Tony Russo was supposed to do something and he didn't do it. So they had to reset it back up and try to do it again. Yeah, it was a poor match all around, but you still gotta call that. It's what you're out there to do. And Pat Patterson's other comment was on the hatchet that is on his tights. Look at that hatchet. Awesome job. Job, yeah i
2: wasn't very impressed with the sliding of mr strombo i'm not really sure what was going on
1: and it's 50 that was pretty impressive <laughs> this will probably be match the year considerations for play-by-play i don't see anything beating it but we'll have to see it's still early we've got half a half year left to do
2: that is a good point i don't know though it's going to, to be some pretty pretty bad stuff
1: we can only hope
2: whether you're 50 whether you're 20 you got to pick it up tony if i was mr tony and strombo would have missed one of my moves i believe I would have pawned is a- inside of the head and <laughs> caught it done right there.
1: Maybe that's why Jay was so bad. Maybe it was from the concussion that he got from Paul from weeks earlier. It's very possible. I wonder if Tony is related to Vince. Vince Russo. Tony Russo. Doubtful. Anyway,
2: that is a fabulous question. I would hope not, but you never know. The swiftness I've seen Tony Russo wrestle, and it seems like, nah, yeah, you're probably onto something. <laughs> you were on with something there. And then next, we move on to Chief J. Strombo's How Wow segment.
1: With Dick Murdoch and Adrian Adonis still in the studio.
2: Yes, they never leave.
1: We do get to see who's on the other side making all those hooting and hollering boos whenever people come out though. Apparently, Vince only invites the ladies to sit in on the show to be the audience. Well,
2: that was Adrian Adonis' family from New York. And Uncle.
1: And Sophie and her daughters. They
2: almost definitely so finally we actually get to get strombo out of the studio and actually get more attention on him as they go outside of the studio and away from adrian adonis and dick murdoch and they go out in the parking lot and we see that chief strombo has a teepee and a powwow set up
1: might just be camping out for the night i'm not sure
2: was it It went black friday was
1: it might be i don't know might have been his new location for his reservation he got the parking lot for tnt i don't
2: have any puns to go with. With that. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> nothing. Touche. As we see the many war dances they go through, we see none other than Dick Murdoch and Adrian Adonis coming to visit
1: for one last time. Thank goodness. Saved by the guys.
2: They pull up in a New York-style car and proceed to agitate the powwow meeting.
1: And Dick was drinking and driving. Remember, kids? Drink and drive. He's from Texas. He's all right. Yeah, it's perfectly legal there in 84. Oh,
2: yeah. They don't have seatbelts on.
1: Pull you over for not drinking.
2: Why don't you have a beer? don't
1: my. Here. Here's our designated beer.
2: Don't let me catch you without a beer again.
1: We will arrest you. driving. Why sober?
2: And finally, we get them to leave. And then Chief Strumbo actually does a war dance. I, I was really hoping while the car was there that the other Native Americans would start bashing the car Indian style
1: well no i was on the other end of the spectrum i was hoping they would run over chief jay Strongbow. he'd get insurance he could quit wrestling everybody wins
2: that would have been a great setup sure chief strongbow could have got st jones tag team partner it'd been done yeah that would have been the match right there match of the year oh that would have been an awesome tag team Mm -hmm. get hulk hogan there just because
1: yep probably would have been get vincent pat patterson on commentary book it next (laughs) pay-per-view
2: for whatever reason
1: You can do an interview right after the match. What do you think of these guys? Yeah, what was an ongoing uh, funny part was it looked like Chief J Strongbone's headdress needed some Cialis or something.
2: You know, I didn't want to say anything, but now that you've said something about it, I was going to let that go.
1: (laughs) It was the pink elephant in the TNT room.
2: I don't know why Adrian Adonis did not pick up and run with that because that wouldn't have been awesome. (laughs)
1: I didn't even know headrests could do that. I thought like maybe they were tied or something. I've never seen one fall forward like that. Apparently, they're not resistant. A little bit of wind comes away, just falls down like a flower.
2: I don't recall them being so big. I could be wrong.
1: Buzzley! Get on it. Well, they did have a guy out there doing a war dance in his 1980s shorts, so I'm not even sure these guys are Indians.
2: Ah, uh, shame on you, Vince.
1: Very distracting seeing some guy in tidy white shorts doing an Indian war dance.
2: don't like it. That is episode seven,
1: tied up nicely with a boat. Or a Indian chief headrest. I think we're a little more stiff than that. <laughs> no Ken Bateras. At least you mess with him out at McDonald's. <laughs>
2: There you go. <laughs> so next week, we have Vince McMahon, host TNT with favorite Lord Alfred Hayes. We have Tito Santana. Imagine that.
1: Oh, man. I thought he was busy.
2: Maybe he dropped the bell.
1: Ah, finally. Finally, after the no DQ, no count out stipulation. And we know Tito can't get a one, two, three, so. That's
2: it. And he gives us a look at the Mexican culture.
1: I thought we just saw that from Eugene in New York.
2: Um, We'll fact check that later. Okay. Bozzly. And then we have Kim Patera performs feats of strength.
1: Ken makes Mc- McDonald's
2: for terror. Oh, we will have some information on the Ken McDonald's incident. Just a little brief. Here you
1: go. A recap. I'll
2: let you know. Definitely. And we'll get to see him bend some still, I believe. So I'm excited.
1: I would like to see Tito lose the belt, but I don't think that's going to happen on this episode, but I can still be excited for it and hope it does anyway. We'll just pretend it is.
0: What do you want? you keep touching my leg
1: that was the tag team podcast thanks for listening remember download different devices counts as a different person different ip address tell your friends tell your family tell your friends of your family tell your family's friends listen to the tag team podcast follow us on social media on facebook facebook.com forward slash the tag team podcast on twitter at
0: tag team podcast on Google Plus, the Tag Team Podcast. Email us at the Tag team at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail on the tagline. 6016544 tag that's 6016544824. You can also listen on SoundCloud by searching the Tag Team Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Tag Team Podcast. Join Jeff and John next week as they continue to break down WWF Tuesday Night Titans. Wait. Please get a hold of yourself. I got a hold of myself, don't you worry. I got to hold of myself all the time.